We've just got off the train at Grindleford Station in the Peak District and you might be able to hear the rushing of the River Derwent, which is over to my left, but that is as nothing to the rushing of the water that is going down my neck as a result of the rain that's falling here today. And if you heard the episode we did in the Peak District with Bella Hardy, you'll know that it always rains when we come here. But we're not downhearted and we're set to go for a walk with two really inventive musicians. Rowan and Anna Reingans are the Reingans sisters and they are multi-instrumentalists. They play all sorts of instruments, the banjo, the fiddle, some that I can't even put a name to. They've been nominated for loads of Radio 2 Folk Awards. They won Best Original Track in 2016 and they make a kind of music that opens your ears to a different set of possibilities, a European set of possibilities in folk music. It's rooted in dance, it's rooted in their own family heritage and we're going to find out more about that as we walk with them today. Rowan and Anna, good morning. Good morning. How lovely to see you on this. Well, it's a bit overcast, isn't it? It's, yes. And we're at Grindleford Station. Yeah, welcome. Where are we going to go to now? We'll wander along the lane where we grew up, pop in on our parents, maybe go a little bit further along the lane. Okay, let's go. That's the legendary yeah, so like, Grindleford Cafe. Why is it legendary? Well, it's the best chip butties <laughs> in the country. Can yeah, we come back for lunch? Um, you can. I'm not having chips at the moment. But, <laughs> okay. Um, highly recommended. And, and got pints of tea. Grindleford sparkling water there as well, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a, actually a well just behind the cafe. The oh, is there? Yeah. yeah. That's where it comes from. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to have chip butty and sparkling water. Very healthy. Healthy, Isn't yeah. It? A sauce, <laughs> Not a well, a sauce. A sauce. A water sauce. It's spring. It's spring. Yeah, it's a spring. So it's Grindleford Spring Water. Okay. But we're not sponsored by them. No, we're not. So is it unusual to have you both here at once? Yes. Yes. I don't live far from here. I live in Sheffield. But Anna lives much further away. You live in Toulouse? I live in Toulouse in In the southwest of France. And usually this happens at Christmas. You come back to see your mum and dad? Yeah, yeah. But who knows if this year... That'll be possible. Yeah, yeah. We're going over a river. This is a Derwent. Yeah, it runs all the way through those woods. It's really nice. Yeah, and up at Pavley Gorge. Cascading down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah cascading yeah. down the rocks here. So it's here. the ford, really. It's, of the Grindle. It's the ford of the Grindle. Yeah. That's why it's called ah, the Grindle. Ah, yeah. very <laughs> good. So and is Grindle the, is, is the Grindle a stream? It's grindstone. So it's the millstone grit that they made into these big millstones we'll walk past and they're all scattered around all over this area and didn't they so. used to use those for grinding the cutlery in sheffield in um, that the way that some of the yeah, millstones in came the from steel industry yeah in the cutlery industry of sheffield so what was your childhood like here outdoorsy <laughs> when i come here now i think i see it with adult eyes i think wow this mm. this is the place i sort of see it with a bit of perspective but when we grew up here i mean yeah we were like played on the lane we also were country bumpkins, a bit left out of the city. I remember basically our social life was <laughs> knocking on the other doors of the yeah. kids that lived 
our neighbours. Yeah. And basically trying to rollerblade on here. What, down here? This yeah. is a non-made surface. We did try and rollerblade. So you must have come off and fallen on your face yeah. about 12 yeah. times yeah. a minute. Yeah. It's impossible. There is a flat a bit over there. Did like it have that. the effect on you of wanting to get out of here? I mean, did you feel that it was too small and that no. you wanted to escape? Or? No. No, it was quite comfortable, actually. I think I, I always was a bit of a solitary character and I think I still like that, that I didn't grow up in loads and loads of city yeah. streets and it was calm and we had a rope swing, actually, which there. was just behind those trees, which isn't there anymore, but that was a big, important part of our childhood. We used to swing out the trees Fantastic. and scare passers-by, like Tarzan. <laughs> like a sudden apparition coming out of yeah. the trees at them. Everything really happened on the lane. And it's quite a special lane, this, because so where we've walked this way, if you walk the other way, you'd go to Grindleford Village sort of centre. Mm. But this always felt a little bit like the outsiders yeah. you know and over the years i mean obviously people have moved in and out but there is quite a special vibe here yeah. we grew up in this house yeah this one on there the right, with the big rowan tree big rowan tree outside rowan after tree. That. Uh, they put it in when we moved here because i was one when we moved here and it's really yeah. really big and they did it's unusually it big they keep having to trim it away from this electricity wire but It'll... we've got to we've got to mention music because mm -hmm. presumably Music was all around you. Your mum was musical, your dad yeah. makes musical instruments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So can you remember it, you know, your first memories of music? In the womb, I yeah. think. <laughs> Do you remember um, that? <laughs> well, our mum played in a Cayley band and she did a lot of gigs around the time that we were born. Yeah. So probably the first memories were just listening to her playing the soprano saxophone. I remember being asleep on yeah. the side of the stage. Must have been quite small. In being a asleep bag. in a one of the sort of drum sacks of the, the drummer yeah. yeah yeah it must have been yeah. there was always music happening and i think the bedroom we shared when we were little was also above the kitchen and yeah. you know these houses everything is very thin yeah. so just like yeah like our dad coming playing through the floor. in the kitchen Banjo, would keep us awake late and, junction yeah radio up. shows and records lots of records yeah sometimes we'd have a kitchen session folk occasionally Clive palmer incredible string band yeah. all that weird Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up here, I had a secret passageway that went through all the gardens but because we knew all the neighbours, like there's quite a few poets, we've yeah. got like poet laureates, we've got sculptors and artists. So like, it's always been really quite arty and friendly. Well, like an artistic community. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The neighbours were always coming round for our birthdays and yeah. we were always going round for a cup of tea and being cheeky. Well, then somebody would be doing some sculpting in the corner of the room or... Yeah, there's quite a few creative cabins actually along here. So it's just such a nice community. There's a lot of people that have been here since before we were born. Yeah. So they've watched us grow up. And when you look back on it now, yeah. how do you think it's affected you? 
that you grew up in that kind of community? How do you think it shaped you? A sense of like solitude, I suppose, and quietness, but then with this train rattling, you know, and actually shaking the bedrooms, you know, there's a sense that like we were never cut off totally. You know, when we were at secondary school, you could kind of get the train along to your friends' houses that way, or when we were a bit older, you could get the train into Sheffield. There it is, on queue. Yeah. I think the train is a very big part of why this place yeah, feels I mean. nice. Round the valley, actually, these villages, our mum was part of it. When we were growing up, she was invited in to do some music at our primary school and it turned into like quite a big folk music community so there were kids playing squeeze boxes playing melodians and accordions and concertinas and then she organized a folk festival and i think she kind of helped bring that kind of stuff to the valley and then so it was quite unusual i think looking back on it that a primary school even in secondary school as well there was a kind of folk band going on so like we went to the same secondary schools like Bella Hardy, for example, who's also gone on to do folk music. And, and when did you first pick up an instrument? Oh, I don't remember, but probably there was many stuff lying, lying around, around yeah. drums and maracas and harmonicas and melodicas and piano, always a piano, always squeeze boxes. I mean, we got our first tiny handmade fiddles very young. Yeah. But I kind of, I which don't your really, dad made? Which our dad made. He wanted to make yeah. these small fiddles for us. So and, how, and how big were they? Um, it's like a sixteenth. Yeah. So they're pretty small. There might still be one. There is one. There is one. eight inches. You can long. have a look. You can have a yeah, look. Yeah, I'd like to see them. Yeah. It's really small. We were probably about four. It wasn't till quite a lot later that fiddle playing became our central thing. I just have a memory yeah. of there always just being lots of stuff to make music with. Yeah. You know, rather than like, here is your fiddle, now you must play the fiddle. It was like, you know, I, I used to play the piano a lot when I was little, just piano, just improvising, making, just making noises and singing on the way to school. Like We did a lot of singing, yeah. making up songs. We had one song called Similar Socks where we used to make up verses in the car. It was improv, you know, and then there was the chorus. Yeah. How did it go? Um, go on, Anna. Similar socks, similar socks. The best I can do is similar socks, similar socks. Similar socks, the best I can do is similar socks. And then it always starts with, well, I woke up this morning. And then you've got to make up your story of why you've got similar socks on. I think it was because basically we never had matching socks. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and we had a bit of a drive to school. We had a bit of a drive we to school. We went to village. school in Eam, the Plague Village. The Plague Village, village. Yeah. yes. Because yeah. it was a bit And better. it was known as the Plague Village because it was sealed off, wasn't it? Yeah, for, yeah, by, yeah. The, by the plague. I mean, they were quarantined effectively yeah. in yeah. those days, weren't no, they? It's become yeah. very in the 1600s, yeah. yeah. And Eam was locked down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent a lot of our time in the playground like watching other school groups trail past like looking at us you know coming like, to we the story the... of the plague yeah and we used to yeah. do like you know we used to go up and be like well we've got the plague yeah. like, play up to it a little bit <laughs> so. so lots of walkers going past today hello. hello hello this is a popular walking spot so this is number seven where we grew up so we're going workshop or are we going let's go down to the yeah. to the workshop shall yeah. we yeah, yeah that'd be great our dad's in going out well, later. We'd love to see your dad. He's going out playing the banjo later, but he's here now. They're both in. Keen to meet you, I think. Yeah. Hi. Hello, 
Hello. Hello. So we're Hello. Hello there. Oh, it's not raining too hard. We're coping. So watch yourselves on these steps. Is he down there, Kath? Okay. There's a banister here. Oh, Whee! very useful. Matthew. <laughs> Always handy. It's a little treacherous for the... Um, little bit slippy. Customers. We've got uh, lots of raised, raised beds. Yeah, I'm in charge of the weeding, but I don't come here very often. So. Yeah, you haven't done a lot, have you? I can see. <laughs> it's pretty wild. No dig, no weeding approach. <laughs> right. So this is the workshop. This is... It's Hiya. like a, a shed at the bottom of the garden. And here's yeah. your dad. Oh, there's a train yeah. going past as well. So this is Helma. Hello, Hello sir. Nice I'm you. Matthew. Shall I put my mask on before yes, we come inside? In, yeah, yeah. Sure. And we can do that as well. How lovely to see you. This workshop smells so um, evocative. The varnish is alcohol based. That's so it. Very <laughs> it's very appetising so, um, smell, but I wouldn't recommend it. It can't just be that then. It's something else. It's something very cosy as well. I, I think, think the wood. Yeah. I think the smell of wood is a really comforting smell. Glue is a combination. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe come in. Yeah. Yeah. What a wonderful place. <gasps> I'm just going to describe this uh, helmet, if you don't mind, yeah. for our listeners, because I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven violins hanging up. Is this? Yeah. And, oh, these, and, and there's some more over here. About that was oh, the tiny one. That was Anna's. That was your tiny <laughs> violin. How old was that when you made that? I don't know. I just know when I when I was finished with it, you were grown out of it. <laughs> so you had the next size. I made a couple. The next size was a bit bigger. And then you've got all your tools beautifully arrayed on the wall. Yes, I need to have my order. You know, you need to know where everything is. Mm -hmm. Carving tools, little planes and chisels. What is this instrument here? This is a banzitar. Your own invention, I think. I think I can claim that, yeah. Yeah, so tell us about that. That's a combination of it's a banjo a and a sitar. A it's actually, technically, it's a sitar, like the Indian sitar, but it's the dimensions of a banjo. It has five strings. It's a, a sitar for the Westerner. How do you get it to make that resonant sound from such a small body? That's yes. very interesting. It's a hollow, it's a hollow wooden body. The bridge design defines this long sustain or acoustic sound distortion. Basically, a copy of the sitar bridge, which is made from maple with a piece of bone on the top that's slightly rounded and a piece of ebony to locate the strings. So the string bounces off the bone. So can you see that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yes, it's a hollowed body like a mandola or whatever. But it's the, the bridge that gives the sound. It's beautiful. Helmut, what started you off on making instruments? Oh, I don't know, uh, playing, playing music. I played the guitar. From an early age, I suppose when I was 10 or so, I had lessons. 
in my teenage years I customized my own instruments and my friends and <laughs> I wanted to learn guitar making really. So why, why did you end up with violins and banjos do you yes, think? Yes, mostly sort of by accident. Well, I mean I looked around, this was in Germany where I grew up and uh, the system is we have to apprentice or it was then. There was only one school in Mittenwald and that was impossible to get in and so I traveled around visiting makers initially guitar makers and there weren't many and it was sort of a funny time in the mid 70s they all closed down and shipped their stuff to Korea and had things made there and uh, mm -hmm. and then any any other stringed instruments makers I went around the Alpine regions Austria Switzerland mm -hmm. harp makers scissor makers no success subsequently I studied guitar for a bit in Cologne couple of years and then I tried again with writing it was before the internet you know so you were sending off letters asking letters. for work yeah yeah You're yeah, asking yeah. for an apprenticeship for an apprenticeship about 120 letters with stamped trust envelopes and everything <laughs> and I had one positive reply <laughs> from a violin making workshop so I packed my bags and went there three months too early <laughs> in uh, Heiligenberg which is near the Lake Constance the south of Germany, south of the Black Forest. But I refused to... <laughs> you were so keen to get there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. yeah. To be there no, it was sort of a bit chaotic. But they gave me a corner in the workshop and I had to prepare bows for rehearing. They gave me a job and I slept on the floor, you know. <laughs> well, you slept in the workshop? No, not on the in the workshop, but in the in the apprentice house where mm -hmm. the old apprentices sleep Well, they there. put you on the floor and they yeah, had the bed. sleeping back. Right. I was perfectly happy. I knew... I was right, and that's... You found the right place, you found a home. <laughs> I stayed there for four years, you know. Right. And so, am I right in thinking that the violins you make now are based on designs by the great masters? Yes, I've got two models, Stradivari and Guarneri, when I was apprentice. So, my first two violins were my own models, and it was a big mistake. <laughs> you have, and they didn't go so well. For the, for the, they, they were all right, but they looked a bit strange, you know. When I came over here, I showed my fiddle around and Dietrich Kessler, who was then the director of Withers in London, oh, no. and he told me, well, it might be sensible to look at old masters first. <laughs> and for the next 20 years, I just tried to copy Guarneri and Stradivari and every detail, outline, efforts, scroll. Because then, once you know what you're doing, then you could put your mark. Then you can embellish that. it your way. And it's your interpretation. And what about your daughters here? Because they're obviously great multi-instrumentalists. Did you always want them to do that? Did you school them in that from a very early age? <laughs> it was inevitable, I think. Something they picked up along the way. I mean, the house is full of instruments. And Kathy and me, we were always involved in music making, in playing various instruments. I took to the banjo then a few years ago. That's why I started making banjos. That's my main instrument now. Uh, you think they, they just... And they just picked it up. They couldn't I mean, avoid there's, it. There's they could have gone one of two ways, they couldn't, it, Helmut. I mean, yes, it could it have, could, you know, yeah, they could I'm have glad. decided they wanted to be astronauts or something and rebelled. Out that way. You're glad it worked out that we way. We never formally taught them. Mm -hmm. You know, true. that was the, the key to it, probably. Mm -hmm. You know, the best things in life you, you pick up sort of on the way, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering whether your mum and dad are your worst critics. When they come to one of your gigs, do they mm -hmm. sit there and go, oh, I don't know, you're a bit With out of tune? On the... 
<laughs> no, 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 no. You're proud of them. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yes. So, Anna, you're tuning an instrument here, which is very personal, isn't it? Yeah. So, this is a little fretless gourd banjo, five string, that uh, I made with my dad during lockdown. I wonder if it gave you a new respect for your dad, the process of making it. Yeah, a new understanding, a new, deeper understanding of the patience that he has. I realised that I definitely wouldn't go into luthery instrument making because it's just way too precise and I don't have the patience. I think you got quite a big insight of what actually happens I down got, here as well, more than me or I got like a lot has. of insight. I learnt loads and it what was, was a really good... What was the thing that surprised you most? Learning some of the technical physics of acoustics. Mm. The fact that my dad can tell like one degree angles from a two degree angle by eye. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty surprising. Sort of, yes, it comes with years of experience. <laughs> of course. You know, measuring with your fingers yeah. rather than any measuring device. You know, you can feel mm. if a, a top nut is wide enough or not, or, and you can see it. Yes. And he's an absolute perfectionist, as am I. So it was difficult, but we managed to get there. Will you the play end. it for us? Yeah, sure. So. Obviously there's no frets, so if you want to play in tune, it's quite hard, so you have to kind of learn where they are. But it's a lot of fun because you can do all these slides and you can also play non-Western music, so you can play the notes off the Occidental scale and uh, in between notes, microtones and things, which is great. They are quite hard, and I think that's probably why gourds have been used for instruments since, you know, forever. There's a little door in the corner here, which um, has a door harp on it. I'm just going to open. Normally it's a diminished seven on there, but I haven't tuned it for a while. Right. <laughs> and then in the corner is your collection of pipes and all sorts of memorabilia in here. Yes, well, if you look up, there's also my bottle opener collection, which is about approaching 100. But it's sort of my installation. Uh, I call it Little Germany. I had a model railway as a child in the 60s. So I haven't got the space to put the railway set up. So there's a glass cabinet and on three levels displays. So the bottom is a railway station. The middle part is rural scene with a couple of farmhouses. To the right is urban scene with more cars and a hotel. And the top one is a freight train and building site. And does All it remind in... you of your childhood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm really conveying the joy of being here because it is absolutely a joyful room. 
Oh, I'm just coming back through the harp. And now Anna's back with some instruments. Yeah. What have yeah. you brought? I've brought my fiddle, Brian. It's a Stradivari model. Yep. And I've brought a five-string banjo, and Rowan's brought five-string banjo as well. What have you got on your back there, Rowan? Uh, my fiddle and viola case. Uh, well, fantastic. What would you like to play for us? We'll play you a tune that we haven't played for a little while, actually. It's another one of Anna's compositions, and it's inspired by our love of Scandinavian fiddle music. And it's in particular inspired by the icy pavements of Trondheim in Norway. And it's called Glatt Ugla. Anna, I wonder why France? Why was it that you were drawn to study French music? Well, I came across the traditional music of Gascony, so southwest in Allier, at a festival in 2010. And it was just like something very new. The music is quite distinctive, rhythmically, and the dance as well. And I just sort of fell in love with it. And I ended up getting a job in Toulouse a nannying job and then I discovered the conservatoire and all the people there the scene in Toulouse so there is a big scene in Toulouse yeah. of indigenous yeah. music as it were yeah the local folk but music but not only there's a lot of people that live in Toulouse from Mexico from Brazil from Spain a lot of musicians and circus people and artists and a conservatoire there that offers a diploma in traditional Occitan music. So I've ended up. So you've kind of made your home there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Rowan, when Anna brought this kind of sensibility back yeah. 
to you, mm. how did you react to it? Well, I'd been at these festivals before Anna moved. You know, we kind of, in the summers, usually, seek out these refueling opportunities. You know, sometimes in Sweden, sometimes in France, these festivals where we can... I mean, they're a bit different from the festivals that happen here. Although, I mean, the idea is the same, you know, gathering together, playing music and dancing. But there's less sit-down concerts. Less sit-down concerts, yeah, more just like the buzzy gathering of musicians, basically. And so, yeah, it wasn't an alien music to me. Like, I already loved it. But then the kind of depth, I suppose, with Anna's study then added a whole new layer to that sound and that we well, still play with. Perhaps really. it's not surprising that you both seem to have a kind of European sensibility. Absolutely, I mean, given, given yeah. your parentage yeah, you know yeah, that, I mean, but you're, you've looked to Scandinavia for your yeah, influences and you've yeah. looked to mainland Europe yeah it feels very obvious to us to do that like I suppose partly having a German dad and having like German grandparents you know our summers we were always traveling into Europe but we don't play any German folk music for example you know we've kind of followed the music that we love more than like nationalities or but I, I wonder mean, if it made you more open so. to those influences yeah. than other people perhaps would be. Maybe, yeah. I mean, the initial impetus to go to Sweden, you know, we had heard some, you know, like Swap was a great favourite band of ours growing up, which was two English and two Swedish players. But the impetus to go to Sweden and study was actually because in Sweden there are these schools where you can study traditional fiddle music and there's no fees. And actually when I went there as a 19-year-old, mostly I just wanted to play the fiddle for a year. And Sweden was the place that was offering that. But then the music got under your skin. Absolutely, yeah, 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 totally. Um, yeah, totally. Should we just go through this gate and across okay. this cattle Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe for us also, we get excited about the connections that can be made and interested when we hear a new fiddle style that we haven't, and that isn't necessarily our thing. Mm. And I think we will never, ever run out of fiddle styles. The yeah. world plays the fiddle, and we'll never run out of these amazing sounds to dig into so for us I think it's a personality thing we love that but you're definitely opening my ears when I listen to your albums you're opening my ears to rhythmic feelings and combinations of harmony and yeah. and dissonance you know mm. that I don't often hear yeah. in the yeah. traditional folk scene yeah I mean we don't play any jigs or reels in our set and for two fiddlers you know you think a night of fiddle music you might hear a jig I just but, wonder if you listen to contemporary classical music as well, because there's yeah, something in the in, in the patterns that you create that has I mean, some relation to that. I love Baroque. We just let ourselves, you know, Baroque. experiment a little bit with yeah. those new sounds. Like, what could we do with this piece? powerful I could not really remember what I was doing yeah, no, no, <laughs> but it's really powerful to hear you play so close up I must say yeah, the, those nice. violins make such a resonant it's wonderful loud, noise yeah. yeah that's our favorite thing I think to sit you know completely opposite and just have that full you know the other the other you know mm. one of us is fiddle in the, in the mm. face it's good yeah. it's a nice feeling yeah. Yeah. and is there a sort of sibling empathy when you play together I mean is it because you've played together so often and so long in your lives is, is there something that that's special about being related i think there is something very special i always find this question very interesting because i think people 
kind of I think it's like incredibly cathartic to be you know so in love as sisters we are obviously deeply connected but as with all like love relationships the best ones are like full of all emotions <laughs> so I think for us it's the edginess as well as the complete empathy and compassion it's you know we can really push and pull and battle and you know I think all of that as well feeds the music so you can what be you, you can be rude to each other without ever knowing that the other person's going to stop loving you I mean is that I mean that's that, it you can you, the, I guess that's the danger isn't it you can really go to your edges with someone that you are hmm. that close to and musically I think that's really exciting and dangerous yeah which is exciting yeah. 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 What do you definitely. think? I agree. I don't think we work in the same way with each other as we do with other yeah. professional relationships mm. um, because we have a personal relationship as well. So we have shared yeah. memories. And I guess really also rich. we can read each other dangerously mm. well. Mm. So, you know, the tiniest bits of communication are very big, like in a concert setting. And so, you know, a lot of our gig is semi improvised. And I think for us to be able to access each other quite easily is really good for that. You can just yeah. catch Anna's eye and, and I know you know exactly. what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. And that can be a great thing. But also, we, you know, if one of us isn't having a great time, and we also feel that, right? So, mm. like, it's just very visceral, I think. Yeah. Mm. Do you have big rows oh, yeah. sometimes? Oh, yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when we were little, you know, it took us a while to be able to play and enjoy playing together. Yeah, definitely. That wasn't a given. We're sisters like any other sisters. But do you yeah. have to move to France sometimes to get away? I mean, do you have to, is that one of the reasons you wanted to yeah. go to a different country to, to get so. away think, from the claustrophobia too? Yeah, I think so. I think definitely. Part of it was also to take my own path, you know, yeah. different traditions. And it's that like collision of those two perspectives as well. I think that's in some of our better work, like that's really, really present. Thank you. 
And is dancing still important as well? Because that's, yeah. that's sort of really. where you come from. Yeah. So obviously growing up we did clog dancing, that kind of instilled our sort of rhythmic dancing abilities and we were always doing Kayleys and stuff but we discovered French traditional dancing and Scandinavian traditional dancing which is a kind of more organic approach it's sort of like social dancing less sort of rigid than a Kaylee it's le- yeah, yeah much less rigid and there's no instructions it's just dances that people know so it's like waltzes Scottish uh, there are collective dances as well like the rondo in France and in Sweden it's very much couple dances and we've both danced all night at these festivals in Sweden and all night it, there's definitely yeah yeah sounds like they shoot horses don't they isn't it I mean, they, you know that <laughs> film they keep kind of dancing marathons yeah. going but it's a meditative um, it is, yeah. magic it's a that's what I yes that, that's the word I was magic. going to use yeah Thing. about some of your music yeah. is that it feels like to me you get into that rhythmic pattern and yeah. then I get into a kind of meditative state I listening we, to it but it's immersion in these places that have helped us sort of like really embody those rhythms so like yeah. the particular rhythms of Scandinavian fiddle playing for example they are connected to the traditional dances so being dancers I think that helps us embody those rhythms and really know how to play the music. Mm. Whether it's quite old folk dance forms or whether we're like at a club, I think we're both kind of naturally lean to like trance. And I don't mean like trance music Mm. as in like electronic dance music, I mean trance sensibility. And I think that you can find that in very contemporary places, but you could also really, really find that in these old tunes. (laughs) You know, a lot of the spells that these tunes cast is to make you, you know, we can like dive into a tune and then you know 20 minutes later we sort of <laughs> come yes. out of it and it it's, takes you out of yourself yeah, yeah. it's repetitive trance you know sing a song for us which in a way represents that sort of trance-like process i suppose yeah tell us about that so yeah keep the whole thing turning is one of many songs that i've written not necessarily about dancing but i feel like the way i've understood essential things about life is usually through dancing and usually in the dance. This well, you song, mean dancing helps you to come to terms with things? No, I've, I sort of understood not only sort of metaphor, but just actually really how to exist, you know, and, and, uh, and dance experience for me is a very instructive thing for other aspects of life. So Keep the Whole Thing Turning, I wrote quite a few years ago after a particularly exhausting and exhilarating week of dancing in Sweden and the feeling of just pushing and carrying on in this circle and not thinking about anything else and I like to write from those very kind of you know almost peripheral visions places you know it's not looking at something too directly to speak about being in the world and I think another aspect of the keep holding turning song that other people have sort of commented on as well is like for us the universality of dance is a very comforting thing you know in, in the world that's a very scary place in a lot of ways and people feel very divided that you know everywhere you look people want to move and I find that comforting. Thank you. 
let's talk then about your latest album, which is called Receiver. Yeah. Is it called Receiver because you see yourselves receiving music and passing it on? Is that one Partly. way of looking at it? That's not far off, actually. It reflects our kind of creative process and also the creative process of Pierre-Olivier Boulon as well, the photographer that we've collaborated with. My, right, now he's your next-door neighbour in Toulouse. Yeah, he was yeah. my neighbour for a time. And he's a photographer who does what? He's actually a sound engineer, but he has been a photographer for many years and he specialises in pinhole photography, makes his own pinhole cameras. Out so of what? Out of coffee tins, little boxes of tea, <laughs> any sort of metal tins, really. And where, where does he um, put them? He puts them on his balcony. And was that how you or, first noticed them? Or yes. you saw them from looking <laughs> yeah. from your balcony onto his balcony? He spent a lot of time on his balcony and I spent time on my balcony. So and you I said, what are you doing with those tins? <laughs> inevitably asked what he was doing with all these tins. Some of them were great contraptions, sort of like whiskey tins, long ones, soldered together. And sometimes he goes to the mountains and attaches them to pylons. <laughs> and... And, and he places. just pins, makes a pinhole in Yeah, but it. it's not as simple as that. Okay. It has to be the correct DPI and calculated to do with the distance from the hole to the paper. Right, so he puts photographic paper. Yeah. yeah. The light will go and hit and the paper will curve in a certain way and it'll hit it in different angles. And sometimes he has multiple holes, so five in the same camera, for example, which will make five different images and he leaves them there for months or for months. weeks. Right. In some cases... This is a long exposure. Yeah, he does quick ones too. So what, what comes out? The image, basically. For example, an arc of sunlight. So if it's over many weeks, there'll be many arcs of sunlight. So you so can actually the see... The passage of time. The passage of time. Exactly and the passage of the sun and the seasons as mm. well. You can see kind of traces of the trees, traces of the balcony, the buildings, the cars parked. So depending on what the weather's been like, you'll have different kind of shades that come out and different marks. So you'll have like watermarks or dust marks or pollen marks. And I have to say that these images are embedded in your album yeah. artwork, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah, he became a big part of it. I think what fascinated us so much, like the images are beautiful to look at, but the process seems so like how we like to work. We really welcome kind of accidents and unexpected leaks, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I mean, you know, in our music, just seeing what else comes in, you know, and I think the way that he opens up these cameras and just has to work with what is then there. We came to this word receiver as quite an active word, not as just like, oh yeah, we're just going to sit around and then get some stuff. Like it's like you need to pay a lot of attention to fully receive. And I think that and that- be ready. You be, be open. Really open, really ready for like even ugliness to come in, you know, and not always searching for this beautiful, perfect image. And you've obviously gone to an enormous amount of trouble with this album. Yeah, I think it feels nice as well in this age of digital music to give people a real, you know, sit down and really a save this album. A 38-page book. Yeah, yeah. What basically <laughs> with some beautiful illustrations and yeah. words and stories. Right, and yeah. We want people to immerse themselves. That's and it the, starts that's the invite. with a song, mm -hmm. which I experience as almost like a painting. Mm, Do you know what I mean? When I hear it, I yeah. feel the colours mm. 
leaping out at me and the scene it's like an oil painting to me i don't know if that's how I love that. you see it yeah i see that song in colors so the song that opens the album is the yellow of the flowers it came out of a morning a few years ago sitting in my home and watching this kind of gray drizzly bustling city and you know on the some days you feel more connected to the outside world than others and i felt very disconnected that day this is and sheffield then, is in it? sheffield yeah and then basically there was just these daffodils it was early early spring in you know, february when everyone's getting the first daffodils out of the shop and just trying to bring some kind of bright hopefulness into the end of the winter and it was something about how do i find inspiration in a gray situation and actually sort of strangely and i love this it gives me a lot of confidence in songs when this happens through the pandemic through lockdown it's taken on this like strange nostalgic quality to sitting and watching a bustling community get the kids to school and suddenly you know, I'm, I'm longing for that we've got some found sounds on there as well from the primary school from right? the primary school opposite where, where i used to have my studio yeah on their lunch break yeah. i just stuck my mic out there and got some laughter and yeah, yeah <laughs> these simple sounds that we take for granted but they are everything
This no, is a surprise view, just, by yeah. the way. Can I just... Yeah, I just <laughs> you can't see Here it. we are. I really need to explain to you that it is actually raining. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that while we've been talking is. and walking, we're getting a bit wet. Yeah. And that there is mist mm. on the hills around us. But nonetheless, yeah. we can see over this dry stone wall here yeah. a wonderful valley with green trees dotted throughout. And it's a very green valley, actually, at the it's moment, a, isn't it? It's a very lush it's valley. It's the Hope Valley. It's called the Hope Valley. Yeah, it is, yeah. And it's a shame it's so misty because on a clear day, if you just wander a tiny bit further up, you can see right along into the next village and the one after that. And it's called Surprise View because when you come around the corner... It just <laughs> opens up in, yeah, in front of you, really and like an amazing panorama. Yeah. But this is atmospheric Well, I'm, listen, I'm happy with yeah. it. I think it's absolutely gorgeous, and I'm so grateful to you for bringing us here and for sharing your music and for sharing your stories as well. So thank you so much. Oh, it's our pleasure. But if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow us to make sure you get all our episodes as soon as they're launched. And please rate and review us so others can find us. If you'd like to make a small monthly donation to help us produce more wonderful episodes, you can become a patron by going to folkonfoot.com and clicking on Support Us. We'd really appreciate it if you did. To keep up with the latest information, you can sign up for our newsletter at folkonfoot.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram with the handle at folkonfoot. We hope you enjoy listening to Folk on Foot just as much as we love making it.